Welcome to episode 174. Do you get bloated, have pain after eating, or simply have issues when it comes to, you know, stuff coming out the back door, like diarrhea, or struggling to get anything out of the back door at all, like constipation? If you have any of these incredibly common issues or you experience these on a regular basis, then we have to make a change. We've got to make a change. And so on this episode, I want to introduce you to ways that we can change this that are so incredibly easy that literally everyone you've ever met could put their brain cells together and make some improvements in their life. So if you want to beat the bloat, let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome to the show. You and me hanging out. I'm going to bring magic to your ears. You're going to get that tingly feeling, and we're all going to get healthier. So how about them eggs? <laughs> In 2022, it's my mission to coach 300 people to get control of their emotional eating so they can lose weight and actually keep it off without counting calories or eating rabbit food. My most recent uh, group just finished, actually, the Ultimate Energy Upgrade, uh, the first group that started in early January, and oh, just so amazing. The transformations are just phenomenal, both physically, but primarily emotionally and mentally. It's very much a personal development course, and I'm just so incredibly proud of all of these women for being ready, willing, and committed to just do the work. Uh, and it's the personal work. It's, it's, you, know that, you know that meme where, you, where somebody says, I found the person who's behind all of my problems and it's a person taking the mask off somebody in front of them and that is them, <laughs> right? And that's the kind of courage it takes to, to do the program and, and make serious change with your health that's actually going to last. And so, so incredibly proud of them all for taking it on losing weight, improving their gut health, getting, getting control back in the driver's seat of their decisions. It's so great. And seeing them also jump into the Consistency Club, which is our monthly membership, which supports long-term behavior change and continued weight loss and continued identity shift up into being that healthy human, you know, as a part of that healthy friends family that we're growing all over the globe, which you are a part of. So congratulations, ladies. You are phenomenal if you're listening, and I'm very proud of you. Um, so, uh, I wanted to start with just a fun fact that I randomly came across today in my research, which is just absurd, is that right-handed people live on average nine years longer than left-handed people. What? University of Queensland supplied me that information. If you're a lefty, I am sorry. I don't know why we are prejudiced against you. <laughs> I'm a right-handed person, but <laughs> did you know that? Right-handed people live on average nine years longer than left-handed people. What a bizarre fact about life and or death. Interesting. Anyway, we're talking about digestion today. So, if you are someone that gets bloating, IBS, IBD, uh, diarrhea, constipation, pain when you eat particular foods, I know a lot of people that I've worked with that start eating healthy, get pain when they start eating healthy, and they're like, oh, eating healthy is not for me. Bad luck. I'm going to go back to eating hamburgers, pizza, and fries because obviously those, the nutrition in there is helping me out. Uh, you might also get gas on a regular basis after you eat. So any of these kind of gut discomfort things that you associate with food 
Uh, if you're, you've got any of those, I'm talking to you today. And this stuff I'm talking about today is so easy. So easy to fix. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive experiment we've got going on here. What I mean by that is that today's information is going to be a, a detailed bit of information about the, the brain and the gut and digestion and how that positively impacts you. And at the very end, I'm also going to drop in and give you some tips in order to actually start employing the strategies that I'm talking about here and initiating a particular type of digestion so that you can start, at the very least, reducing some of these symptoms, if not removing them entirely. And I know from the people that I've worked with that literally just this alone can eliminate some of these problems entirely, which is just amazing. So, we're your one-stop shop here at the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. All right, so digestion, what are we talking about? So, there's a couple of phases of digestion. There's cephalic, gastric, and intestinal. Uh, And so, on today's episode, we're talking about the first phase of digestion, cephalic. And we're talking about that because in today's day and age, where people are so incredibly busy, we're all overwhelmed, we've got longer to-do lists than we've got life to actually do them within. Uh, And and so, I want to bring the cephalic digestive phase back. We're bringing cephalic back <laughs> because a lot of us have forgotten about it. We've just left it behind because we're too busy. Uh, also, the introduction in the last, you know, 50-ish years of fast food and ready-made food and packaged, like totally packaged meals have meant that the cephalic phase is being skipped entirely because we're not going through the digestive phase that happens outside of the body. You're like, what do you mean, Maddie? How is digestion happening outside the body? You know, and when I talk about the phases of digestion, we've also got chemical, which obviously is what's going on um, in your intestines and in your stomach when the you know the the different chemicals and acids are getting in there and doing the work. But there's also manual, right? There's physical mastication, uh, which is the um, act of chewing, right? Is the is the mechanical element of digestion. And there's also some mechanical stuff that goes on in the gut as well. So, you've got the mechanical and chemical. So, what happens when we do use cephalic digestion is that we're activating salivation. So, cephalic happens when you start salivating because you are, you know, anticipating a particular type of food. And that helps to lubricate not only your mouth, but also your esophagus and your entire gastrointestinal system ready to nurture the bolus through your body. <laughs> um, it also s- triggers the increase of st- and release of stomach acid and the increase of stomach acidity in preparation for what is coming. And in the cephalic phase, 70% of your pancreatic juices, which then go to the stomach and small intestine to do their job, uh, the cephalic phase is where 70% of those are actually created and the, uh, they begin to be released into the system, right? Um, and so, the cephalic phase, what is the cephalic phase, right? So, I'm going to tell you about it, but I'm also going to introduce you to some nerves, some receptors, and some different parts of the the head, face, body, neck, and brain, right? (laughs) All of the stuffs. Um, So, cephalic is literally the act of smelling, tasting, chewing, and seeing and thinking about food that begins digestion, right? And so, how does that happen? How does it happen to think about food and digestion begins, right? It doesn't make much sense, right? Um, Or when you see food or when you smell it. So, 
It starts with like, so we've got, you've got your, your head and then there's the cranial nerve. And so there's a bunch of different nerves that play a part here. There's the olfactory nerve. So olfactory is your sense of smell, right? And this is the oldest one. That's why it's number one, the oldest nerve in the system. And it's connected to, actually connected to your memory center, which does not go through the prefrontal cortex, does not go through your logical, rational thinking, which is why when you're tired and you go past somewhere that smells delicious, bam, you're in there. You are in there and you are buying all of the trans fatty bliss point foods to get in your face. The other thing is that the olfactory system has, is the oldest because it helped us even before we were modern day humans to use our nose to analyze the environment, just like dogs and cats do, right? All animals do, right? And so, we can sen- our sense of smell can help us identify whether there's something bad around, whether the food that we um, have in front of us could be poisoned. Uh, or whether it's dangerous to eat, whether it's off, it's out of date, uh, or whether it's sweet and actually safe to eat, right? The next one is the optic nerve. So, this is your vision, right? Um, so, this is, this is absorbing the information. This is sends data to your brain to tell you about the environment, right? And the same about food. You can, tell as, uh, you can identify whether the food looks safe, whether it looks dangerous, whether it could have some painful elements to eating it, like it might have spikes on it or like a rose bush, right? has thorns, you know, you analyze the safety of the food. And obviously, we're not expecting to be eating thorns in 2022. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day when we we're in the wild, this is how we identified what was going on. And, to, and if you think about things like raspberries, you come across a raspberry bush, uh, it's covered in prickles, right? So, you need your eyes to analyze this. It sends data to the brain about the food that you're about to put into your body. We've also got the trigeminal nerve, which... Uh, are attached to all the muscles in your face that are associated with chewing. So, the skin and the face, uh, these are embedded in there. Uh, we've also got the glossopharyngeal, which is uh, connected to your gag reflex, which is useful if you don't want to die <laughs> um, and choke to death. Uh, and we've got the vagus nerve, which is your parasympathetic supply to your system, which is the rest, digest, and repair phase. Um, and then we've also got the hyperglossal, Nerves, nerves, which are embedded in the tongue, the muscles of the controlling the muscles of the tongue. So all of all of these nerves in your face, your sense of smell, your sense of vision, uh, your muscles for chewing, your gag reflex, your vagus nerve to relax the system, and your tongue, when it interacts with food, even before it actually touches it, but when it gets it into your mouth as well, it sends information and data to the brain. And the brain then shoots it down into your gut, right? Usually via the vagus nerve, ideally, because your vagus nerve is the parasympathetic supply to calm the system. And then we've got the chemoreceptors and the mechanoreceptors in the nose and mouth. And when that smell and the chewing and swallowing happen, it stimulates it. And thought alone, you can probably remember a time when you've thought of a food and you've been like starting to get hungry, right? Or you're starting to be like, oh, I could really go one of those. That would be so good. Um, And you can feel that your mouth's getting a bit more wet and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to eat. Come on, bring it on. (laughs) Right? So, thought alone can kick this part of digestion off. Um, And it's essentially like a positive feedback system, right? So, that's why um, for public speakers or for building confidence, they tell you that if you have to go and do a presentation or if you have to do something that's really pushing your confidence in a challenging way, that one of the things you can do is to simply do the Superman pose, right? So, the Superman pose, we, we separate your legs sort of slightly beyond shoulder width apart. Um, 
put your pull your shoulders back and put your hands on your hips and look up. And that physical position tells your body that you are in a confidence pose, that you are confident, that you are in an offensive pose, that you are, you know, ready to go. Because our bodies are these, you know, we've got so much amazingness wired into our genome about the positions that we hold our body and the things that our body interacts with, that we've got all of this genetic memory that says when we're in this type of position, produce this outcome, right? And so, and the same from the experience of our life that we've collected. So, when we stand in this pose, it actually allows us to project confidence, which then allows our hormones to change and we start feeling different. We feel that shiver down our spine. So, the endorphins get released, which is an endogenous morphine and we start feeling energized and we get, even talking about it, I'm actually feeling this right now. (laughs) We get goosebumps and I just got goosebumps too and the hairs on my arm are standing up because I'm talking about this stance. And literally, this is proof, I am proof in this moment that thought alone can change the human body, which allows us to then open a whole other can of worms about you can think yourself well, which is, you know, it's that, that might be a challenging concept for this podcast, but the idea that you can actually resolve your health issues through thought alone because of the simple fact of this system that I'm telling you about right now. It's a positive feedback system. You think it, your brain sends the messages and creates it. And the same thing with this confidence pose, the Superman pose. Same thing happens when somebody tells you when you're down, oh, cheer up, smile, smile, just smile. And then you're like, I'm going to fucking punch that person in the face. (laughs) The truth is though, that if you actually smile, because you have smiled so many times in your life and you've laughed and had happy experiences associated with this smile, with the movement of these facial muscles through these nerves that I mentioned before that are embedded in your face, you smile and it sends messages to the brain to release dopamine and serotonin happy hormones, and to reduce cortisol. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Amazing, right? That's without actually being happy. You simply smile. Same thing happens when you frown. Same thing. Your body's got a ton of data that when you do this, when you make these muscle movements, it produces this hormonal outcome. And that is stress or that is happiness or that is, in the case of this podcast, digestion, preparing the body for digestion. So, the cephalic phase is like 
positive feedback system. We have to send data to the brain and the gut before it's actually happening that we need to begin the digestive phase. Uh, And it starts when we get the information, the the message starts in the outer part of the brain, the unmyelinated fibres, and moves into the cerebral cortex, which then goes to the hypothalamus, and then across to the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve, as I mentioned before, is the parasympathetic fibres, so we want the messages running along parasympathetic fibres because that means rest, digest, and repair, which is essential for good digestion. Uh, It then gets to the stomach, and in the stomach, Mucus cells secrete mucus, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Parietal cells then release hydrochloric acid and intrinsic factor. Uh, An intrinsic factor plays a role in the absorption of B12. So if you're B12 deficient or definitely if you're vego and vegan, cephalic phase is a priority. It's a priority for everyone, but those that have issues with B vitamins, particularly B12, you might want to get on top of nailing cephalic digestion. Then we've got chief cells in the gut, right? The chief cells secrete an an inactive enzyme called pepsinogen, which helps break down protein. So if you're protein deficient or you are starting a new um, approach, maybe you're trying carnivore or maybe you're trying low carb or any diet really, protein is always the priority. Um, You want to engage the cephalic phase of digestion to get enough inactive pepsinogen into the system, into your gut, to be able to break down protein and utilize it as per your needs, right? And then the presence of the hydrochloric acid, which was released by the parietal cells, uh, the mixing of the hydrochloric acid and the pepsinogen, the HDL activates the pepsinogen and makes it pepsin, and then we're breaking down protein. Amazing. And then we've got the endocrine cells, which release gastrin. And a third of all gastric juices are released in this phase, right? And a third of all of your gastric juices that you will need throughout the entire process of digestion are released in this cephalic phase of digestion, if you are doing it properly. If you're doing it properly. That's the whole reason for this podcast is that most people are not doing it properly. Some people are ordering food and eating it so quickly that it doesn't even happen at all. And then we get all of the consequences that come with it, right? So it's this phase of the digestive process, cephalic, is 70, produces 70% of your pancreatic releases your gastric juices from the pancreas and in the entire system one third of all gastric juices are released in this part of the system so i hear you saying maddie if this is so important what do i do about it great question i'm so glad you asked um so what you need to do is spend more time in the cephalic phase okay this is not inhaling your food this is not unconsciously eating in front of the TV stuff that you ordered and you're not even thinking about what you're putting in your face. It's not eating at your desk. You know, I know that we're all super busy, but the reality is we are too busy. We are excessively busy, right? And me included. I have now scheduled in my diary my lunchtime and my dinner time so that it cannot happen when I need to be at my desk, right? And so the same thing I would encourage for you to do. So how do we increase engagement in this cephalic phase? All right. Number one, smell your food. Smell it before you eat it. When you sit down to dinner, literally pick your plate up um, or, you know, bow down to your plate, lean down and get that big breath in your nose. (sighs) Breathe it in and really just like enjoy the smell of what's coming. Like enjoy the fact that it's like, oh, this is going to be delicious. I'm going to really enjoy this and do that a couple of times. At least three, at least three. And if you've ordered food or you've got an Uber Eats bag or you've got a DoorDash bag or whatever, you know, whoever's delivered food to you, or even if you've just got heated some stuff up from last night, same thing. Pop the lid, 
big breath through the nose. So we want to hit the olfactory center. We want to hit the nose first and obviously then your eyes. You want to be observing the food and this is this is telling your body what's coming. This is triggering all of the stuff we just talked about. It's preparing, right? You don't want to dive in there too fast because you'll skip this. The next bit is once you've seen it, once you've smelt it, you do a bit of breath work to calm your system in the process. So you want to move into rest, digest and, um, and rest, digest and repair because that will calm the system. It will not only... Not only is this smelling and seeing, preparing your system, but also calming the system from the day's stress or the stress in the meeting or the challenges you're having at home or whatever it might be. It, it allows people's guts to, and bodies to move into the process in which allows us to actually break this food down and use it for what it's you know, designed to do rather than having all of these issues uh, because you've got high cortisol, you've got high stress levels, your gut's not doing what it should do. And then we're in this situation where it's like, oh, even though I did all of the right things, ate healthy, worked out, I'm still so incredibly stressed that I'm not, you know, my weight's not budging or my gut issues are not budging. Um, And stress is such an important part of the puzzle. So, breath work before you eat, which allows you to smell the food at the same time, allows you to slow down and just chill out when you eat, you know, just just have a breather. (laughs) Next one. So, the food has entered the mouth at this point is to chew your food. Chew your food and a good practice to get into, which is not a thing you need to do forever, ever, but it's to train your mouth and your face to do what you want it to do, <laughs> is to start counting your chews. It'll be boring and incredibly you know, mundane in the beginning, but you've got to practice chewing again. Too many of us inhale our food and maybe you do too. You're just like... <laughs> and it's like maybe there's three chews and you've swallowed it. The uh, digestion of carbs happens, begins in the mouth with amylase and other lipases, right, that are, le- that are released in our um, saliva, right? So, particularly carbohydrates, you want to chew. You want to chew all of the food. Ideally, you're not, you shouldn't be swallowing until your food in your mouth is literally getting close to being a liquid, right? It should be crunch, 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 splash, 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 <laughs> and then you swallow it, right? So, it should be Chewing should be really, really important. Not only does it really get the gut ready for what's coming, but it also allows the digestion of the food into a much easier form for the gut to deal with. Now, this is one of the big reasons people have pain when they're eating, particularly with healthy foods, is they uh, because a lot of the healthier foods they're eating are usually going to be carbohydrate-dense vegetables, and they're not breaking them down in their mouth with the amylase and the lipases that appear in saliva because if we go back down the track, they haven't initiated cephalic digestion. Therefore, the saliva's not really there when they eat. Then they only chew three times so that the, the tiny amount of saliva that is there, they haven't really exposed the food to much of it at all. Then they swallow. The gut hasn't actually switched on. Uh, so, none of the uh, hydrochloric acid is there. None of the juices that will break it down are actually present. And then we've got these carbohydrate-dense things that haven't been really broken down at all before they got to the gut hanging out in the stomach, waiting, waiting for the tide to rise. And then in that process of waiting for the tide to rise, you start having all sorts of gut symptoms. Not only that, you start moving food along the digestive tract, along your gastrointestinal tract, and it ends up being at stages of your digestion that it shouldn't be because it wasn't digested first in the mouth, right? You didn't begin that phase correctly. And so now every, every system beyond that is working twice or three times as hard in order to get the food to that state. So if you're giving the gut a job that the teeth should have done, 
you can see why you can you cause some issues there because your teeth are bones. They're actual bones and they, they crush the food together and then you put it into this muscular stomach and you're asking the chemical digestion to essentially do the same thing that you were expecting your uh, mechanical digestion to do. And then we've got all sorts of problems because the half-digested food ends up moving into your intestines uh, and then you can end up seeing um, food in the toilet like food that wasn't broken down properly. And it all starts with not getting uh, the cephalic phase of digestion right. Now, here's the biggest one that you can do. Food preparation. This is something we've lost, right? Is food preparation. Cutting the food up, you know, preparing it. And this is often usually left to one member of the household um, is to prepare the food, right? And and whilst you're preparing your food or, you know, uh, after you've heated it up even, um, you need to smell it cut everything up on your plate, like, you know, that type of thing because we want to be engaging with the food. And, and if you're somebody that's preparing the food for the family or yourself, you want to smell each ingredient, like bring it up to your nose, smell it, right? Uh, and just begin the phase of engaging with the food so your gut knows what's coming, your brain knows what's coming. Uh, and this is what we used to do, of course. All together when mealtime happened, we would come together and everybody would prepare the meal together, which if you've got young kids is a really good practice to get into not only for their cephalic phase of digestion, but simply developing healthy relationships around food and teaching them how to prepare food. So many young adults and and old adults (laughs) um, grew up with no idea, no idea how to cook food, how to prepare food, what to do with food. Um, And, you know, despite the one billion cookbooks that have been released, people ask me all the time, are you going to release a cookbook? And I'm like, if cookbooks fix the world, (laughs) we wouldn't need another one of them. We wouldn't need another one. There's so many great cookbooks. And even with all these cookbooks out there, people are still too nervous or hesitant or ashamed to get into the kitchen. So if you've got kids, bring them into the cephalic phase of digestion and get them in the kitchen and explain to them that we need to be, we need to be engaging with our food. This is the stuff that builds the future. This is the stuff that builds our future cells. This is the stuff that allows your brain to function in 10 years from now in a really great way is that we make sure that all of this food we're putting into our body, we understand, we know what it means, we respect it, and we respect our digestive system by giving it all the tools to switch on, to chew the food correctly, and with the the chewing exercise too. If you're new to that, but start counting how many times you chew, you'll probably notice in the beginning it's like three, and start bringing that up to 10 or 20. In the beginning, 20 will feel like a lot and probably too many, uh, but it's an exercise, right? We want to go beyond what we need and then find a place in the middle where we'll settle and then no longer have to count anymore, right? Um, and same with your kids. Teach them that you've got to chew. Don't inhale. Chew, 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 swallow. You know, so it's, it's a practice that is so innate to our biology and we've just kind of forgotten how to do it because life is so busy and stressful and overwhelming and, you know, all of the things that it is, right? So this is the type of thing that you can do. Chewing, Put your fork down between bites is another one, right? So it allows you to actually do the mechanical phase of digestion. Once, So obviously at this point, we've smelled it, we've seen it, uh, we've engaged with it, and now we're chewing on it. But if you put your fork down, you won't be so inclined to shovel the next fork in, right? And, and push, it's like a conveyor belt, and push the, the, what's in your mouth down your throat too soon, right? So put your fork down. And this is actually really transformational, that, that step. If you can get used to putting your fork down, there are a lot of things that you will benefit from. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to leave it there. You go and experiment. <laughs> Lots of my clients have great results uh, with using that tiny little strategy, which doesn't sound like much, but 
allows this cephalic phase to happen in just amazingness. So, it's a simple podcast episode today, but it's it comes informed by lots of very very common gut problems, right? And this is again not an exhaustive list. This is just one in, one in particular strategy that I think can help people because we're all missing out on the cephalic phase of digestion by moving too quickly, by not allowing enough time, and by not spending time before we eat indulging in what we've actually just created or just just purchased. So remember, smell your food, chew your food, enjoy it, and make sure that you don't thrust it down that pipe that you call an esophagus in the back of your face. <laughs> All right, team, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, here we go with the spiel. Um, take a screenshot, chuck it up to your social media stories, tag myself so that we can continue growing this healthy friends family across the globe and get more people listening to these episodes. If you know someone that has bloating, struggles with that type of thing, please share this episode with them. You will likely have a positive impact on them and no doubt they'll jump into a few more episodes too that that speak to them. So share it with a friend, share it in a story, uh, tag myself, tag guests if you're listening to a guest episode um, and all links that you may or may not need will be down in the show notes below. So... Thanks for being here with me and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast or whichever app you use and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavor to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.